Cool. I think this is working, and uh, we are doing this live in person this time. Yes. Hi, Davey. Hey, Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, we should get some theme music if we decide on making this a little bit more, be more aggressive with this podcast. But right now, it's usually, hey, Crystal. Hey, Davey. And that's usually it. <laughs> that's usually how we start these podcasts. Um, so, uh, well, today yeah. I think we're going to talk about um, something that's actually written right here on your whiteboard. Um, just talking about how a lot of athletes, we're talking about sports here, um, they chase the money, they chase the lifestyle, but there isn't enough emphasis on winning. And it's sort of a short-term versus long-term view, which I think applies to a lot of different things. Um, and sports is nice because winning is such an obvious outcome of any sporting event. It's objective. You either win or you lose. It's binary. But in a lot of things in life, you know, what what is winning? Um, start deciding to start a family, right? Deciding to uh, leave your job and maybe pursue another passion, um, learning a new skill, like we all have to decide for ourselves what winning looks like um, in those areas. And the, the whole aspect of, of new athletes chasing the money and the lifestyle, it, it really is a metaphor for are you a delayed gratification type of person or, or a um, immediate gratification? Immediate gratification being, of course, you know, an example of, of where athletes just probably like the newfound glory and the newfound attention, the new Twitter followers the new and the car. cash and the car. Um, but if you don't win, yo, all that's disappearing. So so I want to ask you, Davey, like how do you, I guess, keep your eye on the ball, so to speak, and, and focus on winning, creating those metrics for yourself? Because I, I know you're really good at figuring out like a measurable way to, to win in areas that, that – can be very subjective and, and don't have a very binary way of determining that. Yeah, there's, I think for me, one of the questions that I constantly ask myself is, or I guess one of the wishes that I have is, what, like, I wish life was a little bit more binary, that you know, or it, like the results are more clear. Because it for, you know, professional athletes, you know, it's a either a W or an L in like the win-loss column and you know this game falls in either bucket and that's it and it's the you know collective effort of you know 55 people in the case of football along with all the coaches all the strength and conditioning people and the entire front office organizations whatever it may take to put this game either in one column or the other and it's very binary Life is a little bit more nuanced than that. And I think that one of the big questions is, how do you design your own metrics so that you put something in the win or loss column? And I, I struggle with that, to be quite honest. I don't think of it as, you know, like you could build a business and then at what point in revenue is winning? Uh, what point in valuation of that company is winning? And... Um, sometimes to win in the realm of business is to become a monopoly, right? Where you, you own you, an entire market, you own, you're, vertically you're Facebook, integrated. You're Facebook. And, you captive know, captive audience, like, own your captive channels. audience. There is no other social network that can take on our scale, uh, our product offerings, because we've just completely dominated the market. Amazon now is right. taking over all of retail. And, 
But for Amazon, the case is very simple, right? Like I win because I established Amazon Prime that allows two-day shipping and people are subscribing to it to do this and I can ship it. And then now I don't even have to have a physical retail presence. So I don't have all the costs associated with staffing, displays, inventory, all of that stuff. I won the game by changing the game. That's right. And then therefore this metric is now my, Amazon also did an amazing job with, you know, AWS where everything's hosted predominantly on Amazon servers now because they built up an entire uh, server bank or servers like throughout the world that can just, you know, host any website. So if Amazon goes down, your Netflix wildly doesn't work (laughs) or like, you know, some of the other, some of the other sites just all go down too, because everybody's reliant on Amazon. And when you become that platform that everybody relies on, you win. Now, it's kind of a very interesting thing, I think, sometimes with my own personal life, where it's that funny notion of sometimes you have to spend money to make money, Uh, right? You have to, you know, like, you don't really get any benefit if you play everything super, uh, uh, super tight. But then at the same time, you expose yourself to a lot of risk if you play it very loosely, right? Like you, you know, you start making random investments in things that you do not understand. Um, or, um, you make investments in things that are only surefire, but since when was anything a surefire win? So I think that it's kind of that balance of, um, where do you invest? And I think the most important thing, and I didn't realize it until recently, but the most important thing in my mind is how do I invest my time? And the time is actually the most valuable thing. Money is, you know, yes, money makes the world go round, but how I spend my time is actually the most important thing that matters to me now. Uh, Because I can always make more money-ish. You know, it's hard. You know, I'm not like, I'm not balling super hard here. (laughs) But but, it's a tool. But it's a tool. And how I spend my time hopefully helps me make more money. But I can't earn more time, right? It's really funny. It's like you earn money, but you spend, like time uses the kind of like the money terms as you spend your time. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really fascinating. So for me, like winning to me is being able to spend my time in ways that I, that really make me happy. And I think that that's kind of my current metric. Mm -hmm. That's the true win, right? Like, do I want to work at a job where I'm making a lot of money, but the things I'm doing just really sucks. Right. And, you know, maybe I'm not bought in with the mission or whatever it may be. I would not enjoy myself. Yeah. And then that's actually not winning, right? Winning to me is I spend my time in the way that I want to spend my time doing the thing that I love against the mission that I love. And that usually kind of goes in full circle because I love that mission. I spend more time doing it, right? So that completes that entire loop. So um, that's how I think about it right now. Uh, I don't not... You know, that may change, but Mm -hmm. right, you know, just like it changed to become this. Uh, But that's 
the most important thing I think right now is how to spend time. And, you know, just like us doing this podcast, mm-hmm. I genuinely enjoy spending time talking to you and like learning about life from your perspective, but also sharing it from my perspective. And it's just a great way to spend time together. And it's a great way of spending time learning. Um, right. Time is super finite. It's one of those things that um, no matter how much money you have in the world, obviously you can't renew and, and double up on those stores uh, to live, you know, 200 years or 300 years. It's just not an option at this stage in history. Um, going back to to sports and athletes um, yeah. and, you know, the binary nature of winning or losing. I've noticed that even in pageants, because that's also binary too. You either win the pageant that or you don't. That is binary. That's perfect. That's a, such a perfect example for you. The yeah. most common consolation comment I get whenever I did not win a pageant or that I even find myself giving to comfort other women who don't win their pageants is you've already won because you showed up, you went through the journey you made it to Miss America or you made it to Miss California or you made it to Miss Chinatown. You were selected as a finalist, so you've already won. And that, you know, I really do try to, to Im- Im- impress upon the women because I have no pity for the New England Patriots when Tom Brady throws an interception. I have no pity for when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, d- totally screw the pooch or you know i have no pity for the cleveland browns even okay (laughs) and the reason why is because you've made it you're an nfl athlete you work for an nfl franchise sure boohoo you might have lost but you represent the hopes and dreams and you've made it to a level where so many other people would have given their two front teeth to be there so having some i guess perspective I, i think would be a healthy thing also even though it's incredibly difficult to tell an athlete hey you might not have made gold, silver, or bronze, but you made it to the Olympics. Like to a, a real athlete would not see that as comforting, right? That's right. And, and and I think that what makes or what differentiates people from being amateurs versus professionals is that competition drives them. And that's like the one thing that I, I, I love myself personally is, you know, I love competing against other people who are in it to win it. And... I think that because I showed up and I did it, that's great, but... It's not winning. But it's not winning. Like, like I don't want a fucking participation trophy. <laughs> like, that's bullshit to me, right? Like, just because I participated, right? And and I think that going back to this, this concept of money and lifestyle being chased, yes, there is this interesting thing of, like, money and lifestyle being achieved, but I still think that that pales in comparison to winning. Like you'd rather be the lowest paid person on the on a winning team that hoists up a championship trophy than the highest paid player on the Cleveland Browns who went <laughs> 0 and 16. Right? Like it's like as a professional athlete, you are just like you fucking pissed. Right? Because you're just like, I professionally do this. Right. Right? This is not like for funsies. Right. Right? So, you know, like, yes. And I, I I understand because yeah. you want people to not feel rock bottom, mm-hmm. uh, right? Like, yeah, dude, it's fine. You're part of the Cleveland Browns, but you're still making like $16 million a year. Just buy yourself a Ferrari and feel better. Like, that Ferrari or whatever is still nothing compared to standing around with your teammates, holding a shiny-ass trophy as confetti rains down upon you. 
there is no yeah. better feeling in the world than that, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that very few people accomplish that, but it's like that carrot that drives millions of people, mm-hmm. right? It's just like, you know, another great example is like a restaurateur, right? Like how many people grow up wanting to be like the French Laundry, like three Michelin stars, like top, like written reviews about everything. And then how many restaurants fail is like over 90 something percent. So, you know, if you do something professionally, there's this strong desire to like win, to, to do well, to crush it. And anything short of that, I think, loses or makes the drive less sweet. All right. And, you know, there's a, there's this funny video I saw the other day. So, um, it's Michael Jordan, who I think is my favorite athlete of all time because he's the most competitive guy. He's so competitive. And then uh, Dakambe uh, Mutumba was no, uh, no 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 no. So he was a he was a rookie in the league, right? And he was playing with Michael Jordan, and uh, he like somebody fouls Michael Jordan, so they're standing there to do free throws, and um, Mutumbo is talking so much smack to Jordan, right? Because he's a starter rookie and Michael Jordan's there at the free throw. And Michael Jordan looks at him and is like, are you kidding me? Dude, this is for you. So the game was already like, it's pretty close game or whatever. Michael Jordan is like, Don't I want to do this for you. He literally stands there, closes his eyes and shoots the free throw and makes it in a professional NBA game. And he says, and you're sitting there, you're like, and... We can all go home now. <laughs> this is what a goat looks like. <laughs> this is a goat, right? Like, can you just imagine how many hours and hours of practice that you would have to do as a professional athlete to stand at the free throw line? Some professional athletes stand at free throw line, <clears throat> Shaquille O'Neal, and, <laughs> and brick the shit out of the free throw. <laughs> <laughs> just brick it and he's got his eyes open and everything and he's practiced hundreds of hours to try to hit the damn free throw and he still can't do it it's because he didn't have his icy hot he didn't have his icy hot at the time right <laughs> he wasn't sponsored by that and gold bond right um and and it's so fascinating because michael jordan just can stand there in a game close his eyes and there's photos of it he closes his eyes hits and swishes the free throw and that's it, right? And you're like, you must practice so much to get to that level. And so therefore, anything short of winning is like a disappointment. Just like right now, like Steph Curry, how many three-pointers do you think that they shoot on a given day? Right? <laughs> it's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this article I read last year where because Kevin Durant joined the Warriors, and there's Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, and they all hit threes. And they have this competition where you have to hit the threes, and you don't hear like there's no rim allowed, so it has to like swish. swish. And there's this cool thing that happens with a swish where it goes, the ball goes through the net, and then the net like snaps back up. And they ended up having to replace their nets faster. Because these guys are there and they're destroying they're the nets. Wearing it they're out. wearing out the nets that much. And you're like, 
oh my god, I have never seen anybody hit that many free throws or three pointers. Like that's crazy to like, like just to think about that as a concept is so remarkable that I will like <laughs> stand there in the same spot and swish as many as I can. And I am swishing so many that I am breaking the net <laughs> for in the basketball hoop. Like, how yeah. crazy is that? Yeah. That, see, that's a very, I think, interesting and, and measurable way of knowing that someone's got their 10,000 hours in. Um, we've got designers like you, yeah. for instance. Like, we can't peel apart your skull and look at the way your brain works, but you probably have developed these really interesting neural pathways for the way you just see the world and the yeah. way that things should be designed and the way that shapes and, and, and elements really need to be kind of assembled for things to look aesthetically pleasing. Earlier right. this week, I actually um, was uh, visiting a professional farrier. Do you know what a farrier is? I do not know what a farrier is. Okay. You, have to, you have to explain that. Okay. Uh, a farrier is a, a person who professionally shoes horses. So uh, I thought they were called horseshoers, but that's actually not what they're called. They're called farriers, and they put horseshoes on horses. And I learned a lot about this process. It actually takes um, a professional something like 20 to 30 minutes to like put new horseshoes on all of these different horses. Um, Wait, I'm sorry, for one per horse? So it's... it's 20, 30 minutes per horse. Per horse. Four okay. hooves. Four, four hooves. hooves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I'm a total beginner. I'd never done it before. And he walked me through it. He did most of it. But because I was there, it took like four hours. Because... For you to put four hooves. I only... It was only one or two. It was actually two. So and you it took us, two hooves. And it took hours because these guys, they do it for a living. And it is just incredible to see them work. So uh, for every, you know, Kevin Durant there is, there are so many other, I think, artisans and professionals who've just gotten so damn good at what they do. It's really yeah. amazing to see it up close. It's, it's yeah, and I, I love that, right? I love yeah. seeing expert people in their field and in their, like, natural habitat winning. doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Like, winning, right, and crushing it. Like, one of the funny, um, there's a funny corollary to that that the, that story brings up is, uh, I don't know if you've heard about the locksmith conundrum. Have no. you heard about this? Okay, so so when you're a beginner locksmith, it actually takes you a while to hit all the tumblers and to pick the lock, right? And then what happens is the customer's like, wow, like this person's like, you know, like did a really good job for me, like spent a lot of time on it. And therefore, you know, this person charging me $200 to unlock my door is worth it. The funny thing with locksmiths is actually the better, the longer you are, the better you get. So you can actually unlock a door in like a matter of three minutes. Like any door. Any door. Because you, you just do, have done it so many times and you just know where the tumblers are and you just right, go in right. and do it. You're like, oh, Schlage, I know. Right, Schlage. Baldwin, like, I know exactly. The three picks, I pull the three picks out. It takes me like a minute and I'm like, done, right? But then the customer feels cheated. Because it was so fast? Because it was so fast. Even though the result was the same, they didn't feel like they got their money's worth, even if it was to be billed the same amount. Because so it's, re- it's really fast. The client to wants to see the, the struggle. struggle. That this was actually like a hard thing. It's not like yeah. a, done. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. $100, please. And you're like, uh, no. 
But if you like labored over it, so it's a really funny that that that's like a very paradox. weird paradox. But I yeah. like somebody who's a professional can do something super fast. But then when they have to explain it to a novice, it's like, well, that's gonna take some time, right? Like a professional mm. chef trying to show you how to make a blah is just gonna it comes naturally. Or I've practiced it so many times mm-hmm. that I could do this in about an hour. But since you're here. Oh my god, this is going to take like five, six acts. Because I have to explain everything. Yep. And to me, it's just like, I just do the thing. I just do the thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's so fascinating. Is that how your mom makes pho? Like, she just knows what goes into it. <laughs> and as soon as you're in the kitchen trying to ask her what's in it, she's like, um, yeah, this is officially going to take three times as long because I don't know how much of a tablespoon of this goes into here. Yeah, it's, it's all by really taste. Just, it's by taste. It's a taste, a pinch, it's and a look, it's, it's a, a yeah. feel, right? It's a certain flavor yeah. at a certain stage. Um, that's how and my so, father is when he cooks too. Right. And he's like, this is my this is my favorite dish to cook. So I know all the ins and outs of it because I've made it like 5,000 times. But I can't tell you what's in it. But I can't tell you how to do it. I amount. just can't tell you how to do it because like I've just honed it myself subconsciously. And I just know, and then I just do this pattern. But now if you have to make me break it down and tear it apart, I don't even know how, how to explain it, right? It's like trying to explain to somebody how to ride a bike. Mm. I actually think I could do that. <laughs> you just pedal. Just don't stop. <laughs> just keep pedaling. The more If you slow down, you'll fall over. So just keep going. <laughs> Just face palmed myself right there. Just keep going. <laughs> just keep going. Just then, like Dory. Look, Ma, I'm fighting. <laughs> right? But yeah. it's like crazy, right? Like think yeah. about all the coordination things that you have to do, how to like, you know, you know, keep your balance, right? Like right foot, left foot actually pull up a little bit. And then you're like, okay, cool. So now imagine like a professional cyclist trying to explain to somebody who's never ridden a bike. And it's like crazy because the, the professional cyclist yeah. has so many subtle nuances that even the basic stuff is like, okay, well, this is going to take time to yeah. do, mm-hmm. right? Like, if imagine you had to explain to like a football player how to do ballet. Oh, mm, yeah. Right? You'd be like, oh, well, well <laughs> first of all, we got to put these shoes on your big ass feet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm struggling to learn about what a two point conversion really, really is. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, or a three-point stance and, like, yeah. just trying to, like, how right. do I get underneath this, like, tackle or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's really fascinating because it's just context that you just don't have. And there's such a huge disparity between a professional and an amateur and then a complete novice. Um, you know, for, for every sport, for every hobby, for every activity. And so what does winning look like? Well, winning then is... I'm competing against the best people who are at the top of their game, not all these newbies. And I'm doing it professionally. I'm doing it for money. But I'm willing to sacrifice that money and lifestyle because I want to feel what it's like to win. Which is, you know, going back to the basketball thing, which is exactly what Kevin Durant did. He took less money so he could be part of a winning team because to him, he's like, dude, I make so much money on my endorsements. I have the Nike deal. I got all these other deals. It's not about the money. I would rather, like, for him, he was just always on a losing team, still had those deals, still made the money, but he was on, like, you know, uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, and they would just always get bounced off, and he's never lifted a trophy, 
and then he finally lifted the, that trophy this past year, and he was like, this is the best feeling ever. Why can't I feel this all the time? Right? And it's like, yes. I'm just thinking of that meme with Jamon Green going like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like poking at he's his poking chest. He's poking at his chest. Katie's like, yeah, man, yeah, yeah man. And yeah, Draymond's just, yeah, he's, 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 you know, totally pumping it up. Like, yeah, that's right. I love and, that. And, and that's the, but that's what it takes, right? To be good, it takes somebody in your face, and it also takes that willingness to be coached. Right, and a team that is all on your level, so that you're not necessarily the best of, among your colleagues. Like, you kind of want to be around people who are better than you. Yeah, well, you just don't want to pull anybody along. Mm-hmm. You want to basically say everybody's pushing each other, mm-hmm. rather than like this homie's dead weight. Yeah. <laughs> and so now we all have to like pick up the slack mm-hmm. because you know we have dead weight. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyways, that seems. Uh, let's leave it on that note. Yeah. Without no dead weight, so no let's just weight. cut. Let's cut this uh, short, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. All right. Bye, Bye. Chris. Bye, Davey.